Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. The Big Top and Grand Center is back in action this month as the 33rd season of Circus Flora gets underway. This year, Circus Flora is bringing audiences an adventure that starts in an unlikely place, the grocery store. I've been known to have an adventure or two in the grocery store. The new show is called The Caper in Aisle 6. Here to talk about it are Jack Marsh, who is Circus Flora's artistic director, and Alex Walenda of the Flying Walenda's High Wire Act. Jack, Alex, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Alex, if you could keep your feet on the ground at all times. I'll try this time. We're not insured. For we anything. are on the third floor, so we are about 20 feet up. I, I see know. you eyeing that, that, that <laughs> ladder over there. Uh, okay. Circus Floor is a longstanding tradition for a lot of people in St. Louis, 33rd year, but for folks who are new to it. Um, Jack, talk a bit about what you do. How is this different from the Ringling Brothers and Barnum, Barnum and Bailey Circus? I think it's quite a bit different. You know, people hear the word circus and they get a very fixed image in mind uh, of, you know, uh, sort of bright colors and and maybe, you know, 15 clowns running around doing something like that, those sorts of, of things. Whereas Circus Flora, I think, brings a certain level of intimacy and artistry to what we do. Um, so we, we assemble some of the best circus acts and performers from all over the country, all over the world bring them into our big top tent, and then uh, give them a bit of context. We, we write a story, often a goofy, comedy-based story, uh, and then we position each of these performers as characters within that story. And what it helps to do is, is give uh, the audience more of a relationship with those performers, helps them to you know, know them, root for them, root against them, and then see these amazing things that they do so that it's now not just like some superhero far away who's doing this incredible thing. It's someone that you've gotten to know and, and already developed a relationship with. And I know last year there were some very well-trained pigs in the ensemble. Are there animals in the show this year? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of pigs, in fact, um, two 700-pound large pigs, um, and then a number of rescue dogs and uh, two horses, and there's uh, a couple of chickens in this one also, I think. Um, yeah, uh, we have some, some wonderful animal partners who, who perform with us, um, and, and I would add all very well-treated and well-cared for because I know that's, uh, that's one of those things that I think people – can associate circus with, and, and it is really not the case, and certainly not with Circus Flora. The animals are treated humanely. Of course, yes. How do you how do you watch for that? Well, we hire uh, animal trainers and and people who have this working relationship with their animals that are are you know are, they care for them lovingly. We make sure that they're people that we that we know and have worked with in the past and who have great reputations. And then we, we live right next to them and they live right next to their animals and they treat them oftentimes better than they would treat themselves. Hmm. Well, Alex Walenda, you're a high wire artist. You were born into this world, right? I was. I was born basically right on that high wire. Um, my first steps on the wire actually were here in St. Louis with Circus Flora when I was seven years old. And I was basically born on the show. Um, we came in uh, in uh, 1988. We started with Circus Flora, and then that next year I was born. And um, so it's it's a lot like coming home. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, really enjoy seeing all the familiar faces, but we also have a lot of unfamiliar faces, new acts, new uh, new people that you're going to see and and going to love. And another kind of neat note to that: I was born on the show, and. Uh, uh, six or seven weeks ago, my son was born. So 
It's oh. going on to the next generation. We're into the eighth generation of circus performers on that wire. He's not going to be on the high wire. You don't have to worry about that. He's only seven weeks old. But he's going to be making an appearance in the ring at some point. Mm. Oh, he will be he'll, making he'll an appearance. He'll be in Circus Flora, yeah. You'll see him. So yeah. someday his biography will say he made his debut as a It will be, infant. yeah. Exactly. Well, something I love about the Flying Wanda's website is that it traces down the generations of people who've been in this family who've done this kind of work. So it sounds like, I mean, did you ever have a choice? Do any of the Walendas become accountants? For, uh, there, uh, no accountants yet. Um, but uh, there are certain Walendas that decided that they didn't want to continue on in show business, and that's okay. Um, my parents never pressured us or pushed us or forced us to do anything. Um, but you know, growing up as a little boy and watching your parents do these amazing things up on the high wire and what other, you know, any other apparatus that they were working on really made you want to get up there and do it. And it always started with playing. Um, it was a little game to us to get up on the high wire and try the things that we saw our parents do. And then sooner or later, playing turned into practice and practice turned into a career. Mm. And is that common for it to be a family business sort of in the circus arcs? It is. It's pretty common. Usually uh, it passes from one generation to the next, and sometimes performers veer off in different avenues um, and do a different circus act, but lots of times circus families go from one, one generation to the next, and the, uh, the things that we learn, we pass on. And uh, let's talk a bit about the caper and aisle six. Um, well, what do the flying wonders do there? Well, we're going to be on the high wire. That's uh, that's a given. That's established. <laughs> but we're um, we're also going to be uh, this year. We've constructed and worked on flying some people up in the air, and so you're going to see some people that are going to be floating and very Peter Panish up in the air. And so we're excited to present that to the audience this year. And of course, we uh, uh, we always are uh, members of the the show, so we have our own little acting bits in it that we're excited to do. And uh, yeah, we just continue enjoying performing for St. Louis audiences. Jack, without giving too much away, can you talk a bit about the Caper and Owl Six? And of course. Well, it's set uh, in a Schnooks grocery store. Schnooks specifically? Yeah. Okay. And, and part of the idea was to take what is often a pretty ordinary place. I don't think we ever spend a lot of time thinking about how exciting our trips to the supermarket are. But we wanted to make this one exciting. And, and so we were setting it in a pretty ordinary location, but bringing some pretty extraordinary things to it. Um, and the the quick version of the plot that doesn't spoil too much is that the schnooks anchovies, those those sold at schnooks, uh, make people fly. And so what Alex was was describing was, was all of these people who are flying up in the air. Obviously, we have some people who do that in a, in a more circusy way, like Alex and the Flying Walendas. We have an amazing crisscross flying trapeze act that, that uh, I think is the only crisscross flying trapeze act in the world, and it's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, but then we also uh, construct a sort of more theatrical version of, of flying in which our, our characters eat these anchovies sold by schnooks and, and fly up in the air as a result. So whether it's the, the characters who are newly introduced to flying or uh, some of the, the circus arts folks who are in a dramatic role, do you, do you put people out of their comfort zone a little? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we try to we try to put as many people up in the air as as we can manage, and never you know we never want people to feel uncomfortable. And and it's you know you you always want to watch someone who who is excited to be up there, but they can at least pretend if they're uncomfortable if it serves our show and it serves the story. Alex, is there a little extra for you to do in in these circus floor shows? 
Um, periodically, yeah. Um, um, like I was saying, there's always scene work that you're involved in, and so um, each and every performer is given a character that they uh, portray throughout the entire show. Um, but along with that, um, my father and I have been rigging, and the Walenda family has been rigging various different circus apparatuses and theatrical apparatuses for the last 120 years or so now, going into uh, into my generation. So we've uh, we're very accustomed to uh, theatrical flying of people, and um, so this year that was requested of us, and so that's what we've done. Mm. Jack, how how does one cast a circus? Um, that's a good question. You, you you spend a lot of time just watching a ton of circus and and traveling to, around the world to different festivals and to see different shows, um, and then obviously seeing whatever shows are in your backyard. So if there's a, you know, if I happen to be somewhere where a circus is, even if it's, you know, a couple hundred miles away, I usually make sure to go and see it. Um, and then of course, now that we're in an age of internet and YouTube and email, um, you know, some of that scouting comes to you and, and people, you know, are in touch with Circus Flora via email and, and are constantly sending us videos and, uh, and information about their acts. And, you know, it's a, Circus Flora within the circus industry, I think, has quite a strong reputation as a as a really wonderful place to work. That's a you know a place of of humane treatment of performers and 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 having a, a you know a great artistic view of what circus can be and a really terrific audience. You know, I think we've we've over the years cultivated a great audience in St. Louis who really appreciates what we do and what our artists do and you know you get this very warm feeling when you come into our big top um, that I think the artists respond to and, and that word gets around the circus community. And so people from all over the world want to come to Circus Flora and, and in fact they do. And so we, we get to find and, and recruit some of the best circus acts in the world. Alex, is the circus community a, a, a small world? Um, it is to a certain degree. Obviously it's a very big, um, it's a wide open world, but it's a very close knit world. Um, very rarely can you see a, a circus perform that at least one person in your group doesn't know somebody intimately in that uh, in that area. So, um, like our clowns this year are good friends of the clown that was here last year, Adam Kukler, and um, uh, the Flying Trapeze Act, that crisscross act. We've worked with them over the years on uh, on different shows as well as here in Circus Flora. So, it's a very close knit group, and um, and it's Circus Flora especially is very much like a family. Um, regardless of uh, whether you're just arriving and you're a new artist on the show or whether you've been on the show like my family has for the last 31 years. on uh, uh, We've only missed two years out of those uh, 33 years. So uh, it's uh, regardless of whether you're new or old, it's it's a family. Mm. My guests are Alex Walenda of the Flying Walenda's Highwire Act and the artistic director for Circus Flora, Jack Marsh. The show runs this weekend through June 30th at the Big Top and Grand Center. And Jack, this is just the second year that you have that permanent venue in place, right? So does that allow you to do more things? Well, I think what it does is is helps establish that Circus Flora is a St. Louis organization that's here year-round. I think there can often be a misconception that St. Louis is one stop of many for Circus Flora, but in fact, uh, we're a St. Louis organization. We have year-round outreach programs. Um, and so uh, our partnership with the Kranzberg Arts Foundation has allowed us to have 
the big top tent up, and that's you know really really Circus Flora's best billboard. It, it's there right on Washington Boulevard. There's no mistaking it. Yeah, it's it's quite a unique venue for for all sorts of things, but uh, allowing us to have you know a big sign that says the big top home of Circus Flora, I think really cements the fact that we're a St. Louis institution and we love being a part of this community. And something I think that's really thoughtful is, and though in the past you've had a peanut-free performance for folks who are allergic, who are allergic, I imagine a circus can be an unwelcoming environment for someone with a serious peanut allergy. Um, what You mentioned outreach efforts. What, what sorts of things do you do out there in the community? It's all sorts of things, and, and all of it designed to take some of the magic of what we do under the big top and make sure that it can be experienced by communities that might not otherwise get to see it. So, for example, people with peanut allergies who probably couldn't see a circus otherwise, we scrub down the tent of any residue from peanut products and, and do our first performance, our preview performance, for that community. Uh, we have a sensory-friendly show that, that uh, is designed to make some a few adjustments to our show uh, to make it friendlier for those on the autism spectrum. Um, we have our Clowns on Call program is a year-round program in which we send clowns into area children's hospitals to, to bring joy to some, some kids who could really use a good laugh. So all of these things that take you know, pieces of the magic of Circus Flora and make sure that any community uh, who might not otherwise get to experience it really gets to see what we do. And Alex, despite being born into a circus family, you don't automatically have the ability to do that stuff. Unfortunately, right? no. That would be uh, that would be a great help to all of us. But no. Uh, what, it's, what kind of training do you have? Uh, well, so uh, like I said earlier, we we start off playing, and that's that playing is typically done on about a, a wire that's a foot off the ground, and um, and once that playing starts to pick up and we age, and we're starting to really put ourselves into our craft more. Um, we practice until it's absolutely perfect, and absolutely perfect means absolutely no falling whatsoever. And then once that's complete, we take it onto a two-foot wire and do the same process, make it absolutely perfect, and then five foot, 10 foot, 15 foot, 25 feet, and then you can go, the sky's the limit. Uh, the highest skywalk that I've ever done is, uh, was 150 feet up in the air, 150 feet across. The longest walk that I've done is one kilometer, and that was about 60 feet up in the air. One kilometer. One kilometer. It took me forever. My arms were dead by the time I made it to the other side. But what's um what's a bigger challenge? To you? Is it the, does the height matter so much once you, once you're sort of up there a bit, or is it really the length of the wire that's the the it, challenge? They each have their different challenges. Skywalks are not really uh, what I enjoy doing the most. I'll say because really what my family is all about is performing with each other. We really enjoy showing families families performing together, and um, and so we can do some pretty amazing things when we put ourselves together and, and work together and, and uh, accomplish various different pyramids, including our seven-person pyramid, which we've done on Circus Floor in the past, our four-person pyramid. That's a, a human pyramid. That's a human pyramid, four people on the ground with bars between their shoulders, two people on their shoulders with a bar between their shoulders, and one person sitting on a chair. By the ground, he means a wire of 30 feet in the I air. I wanted to clarify exactly. that. Exactly, yeah, yeah okay. not the ground. The ground, I think people would be less impressed if we were just sitting on the ground doing that. <laughs> A pyramid on the on the wire. On the high wire, yeah. Uh, people who are really good at stuff make it look easy, but is that as just insanely difficult as it looks to us? It it is difficult, but with that difficulty, obviously, we've been doing it for uh, like my. I started when I was seven. I'm going to be working on my 23rd year on the wire. So once you have a certain number of experience, certain uh, certain time of experience, um, it does become 
more commonplace. It's a, a lot like driving your car. The first time you drive a car, you know, you're pretty nervous. You're white knuckled to that steering wheel. But by the time, you know, the end of the year rolls around, you're driving with one hand. Sometimes you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. But, um, but everything becomes commonplace as you do them. So there is a, a certain seri seriousness that you have to take when you're on that high wire because it is life or death. If you make a mistake, something could happen. More than likely, that's not going to happen because we've done our homework and practiced. But you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. A lot of performers talk about the relationship with the audience being a big part of what they do. Are you able to acknowledge the audience or are you trying to block them out? Oh, not at all, for sure. Uh, the, the audience is really what drives us. A lot of people think that we're daredevils, that really uh, what, uh, what makes us do what we do is that adrenaline rush. It, there's nothing further from the truth. Um, that audience is really what supports us and what makes us want to do bigger and better things. Mm. And Jack, you've, you've both been to circuses all over the world all throughout your life. Can you speak a bit about, can you at this point even put your finger on what it is about that experience that just touches you, that moves you? Um, yeah, well, I think it's incredible to see people do wonderful things in person and live. Um, and I think we we're, we've gotten used to uh, going on YouTube and and seeing you know someone jump off the their roof of a building or something something that probably isn't and, and shouldn't be repeated. Uh, but there's something about creating a live performance that that has theatrical elements and and makes you feel this this emotional pull of what someone is doing um, that I think really you know it, it in a way it feels uh, you know brings up notions of nostalgia when you step into our big top because it's you know something that you might have done with your grandparents as a kid or your parents as a kid and now now you're taking your own kids to to see it but i think there's a lot of value in this for the modern audience also i mean you're you're there with your family seeing these incredible people do something live in front of you it doesn't have anything to do with a screen or a phone or or anything that you know can can kind of distract us from the humanity that's in front of us i think circus is an amazing thing that is universal and you can you know any age any background creed color can really enjoy this art form and all together you know we we as an audience we sit around uh you know around a ring you're you're in a circle and you're seeing you know, an audience member on the opposite side of the ring looking at the same thing as you, having the same wonderful experience as you. Um, and it's really unique to this art form that it can bring us together in this way. Mm. Can you, does anything come to mind in terms of far-fung places where you've seen circus performers? Um, well, I mean, circus is, is everywhere. It's, you know, all, all parts of the world, all continents. I know it, I haven't had the pleasure myself, but I understand there's an, some amazing circus coming out of North Korea. There's, uh, there's a great circus in Ethiopia. It's, it's really, you know, everywhere. And, and similarly, our, our performers come from everywhere. We, in, this, in this show, just off the top of my head, we have Ukrainians. We have someone from Kazakhstan. We have a, a, someone from Belarus. Um, in, in, Canada, the in the Circus Flora. In Circus Flora this year, yeah. And so, so we, as a, you know, we create this community. Many of us live in trailers right 
behind the big top and we create this little international village where people are speaking all languages, making all kinds of food, um, interacting with one another. Um, and it's really this beautiful microcosm for, for the world and, and in a way for what a utopian world would be is, is all of us working together to create something beautiful and something that we can share with, with our audience. And Jack, you talk about circus in different parts of the world. Alex, is this an art form that continues to evolve? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I think that everything is in a constant form of evolution one way or another, and the circus is not one that... Uh, is not is not any different. Um, it's continually evolving. Things are continually changing. Um, you know, Ringling Brothers started with three rings um, in the 1920s, and um, and I think that is kind of uh, pushed off to the side because I think audiences are now really more interested in the problem with those is you you can't really see the performers. You, they're so far off. Um, which is one very different thing about circus floor, and I think the audiences really appreciate that—that that you can see the sweat on the performer's brow, you can see the difficulty that is uh, that is being um, pushed on that performer, and that he's uh, um, expelling to the audience, and um, vice versa. You know, the the performers can see the smiles on the faces of the kids and oh. on the parents, and and that that drives us to do better. And so it's, and as Jack was saying, it's one of the most diverse groups that you can imagine getting together under a big top to perform for a circus. And Alex, are you working on anything new now that isn't quite ready to go up? But Well, um, I think I'd probably say I'm working on my son and hoping that he's going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> continue. Uh, uh, I mean, do you, do you, does your act continue to evolve? Do it you continues learn to evolve. New yeah, tr continually trying to learn new things. And, and Highwire is one of those sort of um, slower disciplines, um, partly at least in the, in the way that we, we enjoy uh, perfecting things because we're not willing to put anything in front of an audience unless it's absolutely perfect. If something's not perfect, you're kind of playing with fire. And, um, and we know we don't want to see that. We know the audience doesn't want to see that either. So, um, but yeah, there are, there are other things in the works that we've been working on for the last little while, and hopefully in the next couple of years, it'll come to fruition. And part of the drama of that moment is the, the uncertainty. No one wants to see it go wrong, but you're a little afraid that it might. <laughs> sure, there, there always is that. And then I think that is what one thing that keeps audiences' eyes on what we're doing is there is that that uh, the, I, I believe that all the audiences are hoping that we make it across, but that hope does come with a little bit of doubt. And for folks who might be a little queasy in an empathetic way, you you mentioned anything you're doing in the show you've done a hundred times before. We've done a hundred. You're times. not trying something new spur of the moment. No, uh, those spur of the moment things is when people get hurt, and so my family's always had a big uh, a big sort of motto of. If you haven't practiced it a million times, and if it's not perfect, don't even try it. Yeah. Well, Jack, once things get going, it's up through June 30th. Yes. And it's just, it's the same show every night, but I imagine does it evolve a little bit in terms of just the, the people gelling? Yeah. I mean, we're in rehearsals right now, and then we premiere, and then we're, we're off and running. Uh, and yeah, like any live performance, uh, you know, things things evolve if you see the show one night and then you come back a week later you might see something slightly different um and yeah over the course of the of the run uh it it'll it'll morph and we'll you know find new jokes to add and and someone will add another trick or or you know we'll we'll 
morph things a bit. But uh, but yeah, we we build a, a brand new show each year, and it's a it's a monumental thing to do because we have all these performers. We have uh, a five piece live orchestra playing all original music. A terrific lighting designer. There's all these elements that we add in to to create this show, and then, like you say, it continues to to morph over the course of a season. I, did, I didn't know that detail about the original music and and the live band. That's good to hear. Yeah, it, it's terrific, and it adds so much to accent what these amazing performers do. To have you know a drummer who's who can hit a cymbal at the right time, and and you know beautiful music to add something to some of the more lyrical acts you know or or build up the more exciting acts it it does so much to have a such a talented group of musicians who can really accent what we do and the last thing i think something that's great about this art form is sometimes when we describe an activity as being kid friendly people translate that to meaning it's just for the kids but sports circus arts it's the kind of thing that just cuts across age it cuts across demographic group it's just a spectacle of human excellence when it's done well that's a pleasure to watch yeah? it's completely universal and i think you know i i'm biased but i think it's the best date night in st louis to to come out to circus flora it's obviously kid friendly and and something that that is is wonderful to bring children to but if you're an adult coming to see the show you're going to have a fantastic time yeah well, thank you so much. I want to thank Jack Marsh, Artistic Director of Circus Flora, and Alex Walenda of the Flying Walendas. And thank you for refraining from flying in studio. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it is great to talk with you both. Thank you very much. Thank you.